As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. You're listening to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. You're listening. <laughs> yes. This is Matt Tebby. I'm joined by Ben Sternke. We are your Hello. host for this brief introduction. We're talking to Susan Carson today, uh, and mm-hmm. we often talk a lot on our podcast about the interior life of the leader, that mm-hmm. uh, a tree produces the fruit from good soil, good root, right? So we better focus on that root so we get mm. that fruit. And Susan Carson has written a book about roots and fruits. No, she's really, this is a great interview. She's written a, a nice little uh, book. What's the title again, Ben? Rooted in. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm talking about in roots. in connection with God, yourself, and others. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we met Susan through some mutual friends, and it was the first time we had chatted face-to-face, but we've since become quite cozy on social media, and she's, mm. uh, she's a wonderful person. Yeah. And this is a great interview. So, yeah, we got uh, next week. We're starting a new series on leadership. Just a little mini series leading yep. us up to Christmas. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it's December, so it'll be five. There's five Tuesdays in December, so it'll be five episodes. Um, great. Uh, these are interviews we've actually we actually recorded months ago, uh, but they all kind of fit with this theme of leadership. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to finish out 2020 on the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Is a mini series on leadership. Mm. Uh, and then we're going to kick off the new year with an interview with Andrew Arndt, hmm. who's a, who has written a great book. Yes. Uh, we've already got that interview in the can. And then we're going to start a series on uh, power. Another, we've done one uh, in the past on power, but um, this our understanding and our learning keeps uh, evolving about this. It and does. so we're going to do another series on power, specifically focusing on gender and race in the church. Yeah. So... Not the sure church if... has gotten it mostly right for most. <laughs> for mo- Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't oh, do it without a straight man. face. Anyway, we're doing a series on it because, uh, yeah, we've gotten a lot of things wrong. We're in and, constant uh, we're learning to... mode. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We're trying to figure it out. So, yeah. So, uh, we, we've got a new uh, series coming up um, on that. Mm-hmm. So, 
All right. Looking forward to it. Me too. Yep. I'm looking forward to the end of 2022. I mean, I, I don't know what 2021 is going to bring, but it doesn't seem like it could be worse than 20. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Who knows mm. what it's going to be. Mm. But 20, this has been a year, right? It has. This has been quite a year. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> enjoy this interview with Susan Carson and uh, subscribe to the podcast if you don't subscribe yet um, to get make sure that you hear this new series on leadership and our new series in the new year. Um, and yeah, tell friends about it. I don't know if we say that. I think we say this in mm-hmm. our outro, but like it really does help people, yeah. other people find our podcast uh, just to tell, tell people about it. Um, let people know. Uh, give us a review and a rating on iTunes. Yes. Or, I guess it's called Apple Podcasts now or wherever you rate and review things like that. So hmm. help us out. Yeah, help us out. <laughs> and listen up. All right. And listen up. Susan's got some good things to say. <laughs> Susan Carson, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, it's our pleasure. You, uh, Susan, are live in Cincinnati, Ohio, where you are the founder of Roots and Branches Network, which helps people encounter God in ways that transform and restore. I want to know more about the Roots and Branches Network. What's the two-minute, this is what we are and this is what we do? Uh, we help people connect with Jesus for transformational encounters. So we have teams that do this and we equip churches and communities to do this. And basically what that means is we try to listen to people really well as they unpack their stories. And then we help them connect with Jesus and listen to him about what he wants them to know about Uh, maybe things they've encountered in their life that have been painful or wounding. And we get to see uh, incredible transformations happen in people's lives, incredible healing happen. So that's, that's the two minutes. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Well, you, uh, you actually have an extra 60 seconds you didn't use. So I'll use it with a follow up question. Um, Is, is it a parachurch then? Is that, is that how you describe Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. We're alongside churches. Yes, we work with uh, churches all over the city and beyond and uh, ministries as well to really help with soul care, pastoral care. Um, We talk about creating Mm. safe space. um, And what that means for us is noise-free, shame-free, formula-free, Christ-centered spaces that just facilitate transformation. Another name for that might be discipleship. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah. you're speaking our language. And um, Susan, you've written a book um, called Rooted, and then parentheses in. Do you call it Rooted In? Yes. Is that how you refer to it? Yes. Yeah. Thriving in Connection with God, Yourself, and Others. And in this book, uh, at the end, you actually have those uh, three or four different components for what, like, what's ne- like the bare minimum for transformation. Can you say those again for us? What are the four components of a community that are the bare minimum for transformation? Uh, Noise-free safety, yes. So safety, as we break it down, would include noise-free. So it's listening space. There's space for stillness, for quiet, for people to be heard. Um, 
shame free. Mm. So there's no shaming, there's no judging, um, formula free. So it's a culture or space that blesses process versus the idea of sort of one and done or silver bullets. Like if you do X, Y, and Z, you will be whole, you will be healed. Um, and then Christ centered. So Jesus is at the center of the practices that form that community. Yeah, so maybe then tell us, Susan, maybe part of your story, how did you come to value these things? Um, You know, you didn't invent them, uh, but maybe you uncovered or discovered them, right. But how did they, in your story, where did they emerge as essential or important components, things you wanted to uh, practice yourself and give away to others? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, in some ways, I think it happened over decades in my own life and in my own sort of personal healing journey and spiritual formation, but I think they really solidified in these past eight or so years since we started Roots and Branches. And I've had the honor of sitting with literally hundreds of of people and hearing their stories and praying with them and just observing what happens in that space. And it, it seems like, um, that what we leave out of the space is more important than what we bring into it. Like it's not so much what I bring into it and how I pray or how I might, um, yeah, how I might pray for that person, any special prayers or any way I would pray for them. It's way less about that and way more about me sort of leaving myself outside of the space and making room for them to hear themselves and to hear Jesus. And my observation Mm. just in those encounters is that the more silence and stillness we can allow the more we can leave our own opinions out of the room and the more Mm. we can just bless people in their own unique journey, the more amazing things we see happen. I had somebody Mm. who's experienced our ministry tell me the other day that she likens it to driving a car to getting on an airplane. Like you can get, you can take longer to get there or, you could take shorter to get there. So it seems like when we leave these things out of the equation, transformation actually starts to happen faster, more quickly for people. Mm. Yeah, Ben, what do you what do you notice as Susan shares those things? What what strikes you? Um Yeah, I think it's fascinating to me to think about um what we leave out of a process because I think for so many of us as leaders, we assume that our primary function or value is to bring something, right? To, uh, and you know, that that is something that we're called to do, obviously bring something, but um, I think it reframes it for me to think about the, the something I'm bringing has mainly to do with my listening presence. Um, the something I'm bringing isn't necessarily like, I'm gonna blow you out of the water with this word of wisdom or this prophecy or this, you know, this big thing that, I, that I'm that i going to bring to the table, but rather um, I sort of just bring myself to the table um, and I and I listen. I, it's, it's a helpful reframing for me in terms of what does it mean to actually lead people? Yeah, um, what do people to, need? To hear you say and, that. Yeah, and what's my responsibility to them? 
yeah unto what they need right. susan i'm I'm struck by, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm struck by the fact that what you're naming is um, the things we train in at Gravity, and we mm-hmm. call them different, we maybe refer to them differently, but mm-hmm. we're, a- we're actively seeking to replicate the same kinds of uh, spaces that you are, and I just, um, you know, I just, con- I uh, agree with you that, like, th- there's, there's nothing more powerful than holding that space um, for people and seeing them encounter the spirit of God. Yeah. It's such a, I find it such a relief on one hand because I don't have to show up with an answer or the three right things to do or share for this person to have what they need. But it also is quietly terrifying because I show up and just make space and trust (laughs) that that person with Jesus Mm. is going to get where they need to go. Um, so I often have at the beginning of a session, this feeling of I'm about to jump off a cliff and I don't know what's going to happen because it it really isn't me coming with my formula or my three easy steps to get, you know, to your next thriving place in life. It really is just the gift of presence, our presence and the presence of Christ with people. That's really what it is. Yeah, and so these things, the gift of presence and listening and not not employing shame to move or motivate people um, and uh, holding people so they experience safety, th- these are actual, um, are foreign to many of us. And so it's not something that many of us have grown up with or even experienced in churches, even though um, we would say, you know, the God... Uh, who's revealed in Jesus Christ is the one who uh, sort of embodies and holds these things perfectly. But your book does a great job of, of breaking these things down and then handing it over to the reader. Um, you end each chapter with like a practice, like a, a way to in, engage your body in the truth that you're writing about. Um, and, and so I want to just maybe start with, you, you begin the book with a story about you realizing you didn't have a sense of self. Mm-hmm. Can you share a bit about that and why having a sense of self is so important in the formation of a human identity? Mm. Well, that's that's not a big question at all. That, I don't, um, no, no I just, was, a, just I, an yeah. easy one, yeah. Yeah, that's easy. Um, yeah, I'd be, ha- I'd be happy to share that. Um, I really grew up in what I would describe as sort of a spiritual and relational void. My parents were present, and it's not that they weren't loving parents, but relationally they just weren't present to me. Um, And I was an only child. I took on a burden early in life of sort of making up for all the children that my mom and dad didn't have. My mom had a series of miscarriages. And so I sort of grew up trying to be all of those children for my mom and dad. Thus is born a perfectionist, pleasing, striving uh, soul into the world. Um, And I realized when I started um, in high school, as for uh, happens for many of us, it all sort of the things that maybe weren't working very well, really weren't working very well at that point. Um, mm. Met Jesus in, a, in an amazing way and yet realized that 
the depression that I had sort of been carrying was still there. I didn't suddenly get better when I met Jesus. Many things got better when I met Jesus, but that sort of hmm. shadowy sense of heaviness stayed with me. Um, got through college hmm. and started my first job and a friend uh, who was actually my boss at that point, um, we were working really late at the super dysfunctional market research firm. And um, I was crying as I often would sobbing something about my life. And she looked at me and she said, Susan, you're a mess. You need to get some help. And at first I was, you know, immediately somewhat offended. And then uh, realized, oh, she's right. Um, Actually, Um, So I did. I started uh, in counseling and um, sort of a seminal moment for me was working with this counselor and where he had a big whiteboard in his office and he said, uh, draw the home where you grew up. And we had moved a bunch when I was growing up and and I'm a pleaser, right? I'm a perfectionist. I'm a performer and everything in me was like, no, I will not. And I didn't say no to people. Like I was a boundaryless wonder at that point in my life, and I didn't. But I was, I was like, no, I am not drawing that picture on that board. Um, and mm. he very quietly and gently insisted. And um, what I ended up drawing was the condo I was living in at that point with my parents because I couldn't find a job. Having graduated from college, I was still looking. So I drew uh, this place where I was completely not rooted. I drew the condo, and then he said, well, put yourself in the picture. So I put myself in my room and my parents in their little recliners in front of the TV, and I had one of those moments where I'm like, oh, my God, that's my whole life. Like, me alone, separate, disconnected, and just realizing in that process that my deepest fear was that in all the work and all the healing work we were doing, we would get to the center of me and there would literally be nothing there. Mm. Um, that I that I literally, in a way, didn't even exist because I hadn't really been seen or blessed in a way that children and people mm. need to be seen and blessed and so the journey from there was really a journey of becoming of really becoming who I already was my true self I just didn't know it um, Mm -hmm. because I had never really been aware or encountered that person so that sense of self of true self of who we really are that's that's who we're created to be and that is in essence our belovedness in Christ right that's what's most true right about all of us all the time and yet when we haven't been seen and known and blessed we don't fully yet know that um so that's that's a little bit about the journey yeah i'm I'm amening over here in my spirit and I, i i i do think though there's some confusion in the christian church at large susan about um you know, the, so I'll just I'll just throw out a phrase that um, I've used before, and I still believe in, and I, I want you to help me understand how this fits into it. Okay, mm-hmm. so part of the call to be a Christian is to die to self, and so and so you're talking about discovering and laying hold of a self, and I think for a lot of Christians they're scared of that because they. 
You know what I mean? Because they've been told, deny yourself, take up your cross, um, or you know, you you. There's nothing good in you apart from Jesus. So and so, there's almost what develops is sort of this pious self-loathing that passes for uh, virtue and holiness. So how does the formation of a healthy self relate to this call to die to ourselves? How do you see those relating to each other? Um, another really easy question to answer. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, that really has been a part of my journey. I, w- I would have very much been that person in that, um, you know, my myself who I am in essence is wicked, deceitful, not to be trusted. I need to die to that. Um, and yes, what I've discovered in my own journey and, and sitting again with so many others is that I think when we do that, we're starting in essence, if we could get a little biblical with Genesis three and the reality is we start, with Genesis one, we start with the blessing. We start with the goodness. Mm. And as I see Jesus come and meet with people in the deep soul work we do, it's, it's a, there's only deep goodness there. When a, when a soul is open and laid bare in encounter with Jesus, the, that goodness of that soul is so beautiful. The goodness of our mm. soul is so beautiful. Um, and we can only, from that point of knowing our goodness and our belovedness, I can, I can recognize my sinfulness, right? None of that says that I don't, yes, we all sin, right? Nobody's going to argue with that. Um, Mm -hmm. talk to my daughter about our day yesterday and I'm sure she could tell you (laughs) how that, how that happened. I'm sure she could, um, And yet I can, knowing my belovedness, knowing that I am in essence in my truest self in Christ as Christ is in me from that place, I can invite Jesus into those places of sin Mm. and woundedness, right? Because so much of our sin comes out of woundedness. And if we're not doing the deep work, um, we don't even make, begin to make those connections. And from that, what I would yes. say, rooted place, I can make that choice to die to those things. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. Yes, yes. So love is the context that makes dying to self safe. Yeah. Yes, yes. Right, and make yeah. and makes it makes it redemptive. Yes. Yeah, and I I think for a large part of my Christian life, I attempted to die to myself without without <clears throat> being rooted in love. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to die to myself using kind of shame as yes. the guillotine. <laughs> yeah. And the gallows, yeah. you know? Yes. Yeah. It's almost yeah. a, it's almost another way of, it's, a, it's almost another form of works righteousness, isn't it? I'm just reflecting on this. Like, it's almost like, I know I can't like perform mm. my way into righteousness. I can't perform enough good deeds. But if I can, if I can loathe myself enough, I'll be saved. But it's still like works. Right? We're still trying to strive mm. towards some state of self-loathing that is like, then God will accept me if, he, if I just can articulate how terrible I am. Uh, and and that, that's not at all yeah. what dying to self really is, is it? It's, it's actually a, f- a forgetting of ourselves mm-hmm. and losing ourselves in the love of God. Yes, yes. That's, I love the mm. way you said that. Yeah. And the shame thing is so counterproductive because in the end, all it does is push us oh, yeah. into more of the sort of self-defeating patterns. And yep. yeah, shame yep. will never... Um, Shame is never a friend. <laughs> Shame will nope. never work right. for nope. us. I, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's that's good. And Susan, your your book in your book you talk a lot about shame, and you and you sort of uh, juxtapose it with grace. Can you talk a bit about why grace is sort of the antidote to uh, an identity that's rooted in or held by shame? Mm-hmm. Well, grace is the is the love right that's freely given us it's the strength that's freely given us by holy spirit um to live rooted in the love of god it's what we have it's the antithesis of shame really because it has nothing to do with what we do shame has everything to do with what we do in our false identity if you would our false self it tells us that um Mm. you're bad um, but grace says that we are inherently loved, not loved and held, not because of anything we've done or not done. It's just true because that's the truth of our mm. position, our relationship in Christ. Um, so it's, yes. it's the biggest gift, right? So in grace, we hear the truth about what's true about us that we're loved, that we're held, that we're known, what's intimately true about each of us as God knows us and as he knows us better than we even know ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And in healing contexts, as we sort of create these grace-saturated spaces for people, it's beautiful to to just witness um, as they encounter Jesus, him coming and speaking with such grace, the truth to them about what really is true about them, about what they've encountered, about the pain that they've encountered. Um, so mm. the, the truth in the essence is not it's not a hammer, right? It's not a shaming thing. Truth is a grace laden thing that tells us what's true about who we are and who we are in him. Yes. Yes. I, uh, that's one of the things we do at Gravity, Susan, is we hold grace and truth together. Mm-hmm. So um, they aren't opposed to each other. They're not opposites. Mm-hmm. They aren't, um, you don't get uh, more truth and less grace or more grace and less truth. You know, in Christ, he was full of both grace and truth. And so there's a way to calibrate them equally and perfectly. 
Uh, and and we, we name that as love, that love um, tells mm-hmm. us the truth and embraces us uh, unconditionally. Um, and so um, w- one of the things you do in your book that struck me as unique and precious is you tell really vulnerable stories, Susan. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. I, sometimes you read. Sometimes you read books, right? And 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 somebody maybe lost a, a child, and they do, they never mention a child. They never mention a name. They just talk about yeah. a difficult season yeah, or yeah, yeah. troubled waters. And I mean, you go there. You talk. <laughs> you talk about dating relationships and health issues that are are um, deeply kind of kind of vulnerable was that was that hard for you and um, I'm curious about that and I'm also curious about why you chose to reveal yourself the way you did what, what, what work hmm. were you hoping that would do yeah well I didn't start out to write the book that way um, I wanted to write a how to listen really well to people book and um, I started mm-hmm. to write that book and then I felt like the Lord was sort of like, um, no, that's, that's not the book we're going to write. Um, <laughs> you're going to share vulnerably mm-hmm. from your life. Um, mm-hmm. and I wasn't super excited about that, but I just know <laughs> the reality is that our stories are really what impact one another's heart in a lasting way, right? It's our vulnerability, um, that, actually can act on another person's heart in a way that can open a heart. Um, so I believe, uh, I believe fully in the power of vulnerability. We could do a little Brene Brown ad here if we want. Um, but, sure, sure. Um, yeah. totally believe in the power of vulnerability. I did not want to go there, but, um, I did it anyway, so I trust that that is a gift to people, and I have I have heard from readers that it's been a real gift to them. So, thank you for observing well, that. If I could just add my voice to that, um, you know, if you if you're going to contend for transformational spaces, are are safe spaces where you're listened to, and where you don't receive shame, um, the the way that you communicate that that's true and beautiful and good is you demonstrate it yeah and i think i think if you want people to trust you you demonstrate you're trustworthy and so i think uh, as a leader susan and someone who's read this book you offering your story like that um without self-deprecation or patting yourself on the back just it does serve the work you're doing it Mm -hmm. it illustrates the beauty and goodness of um, you trusting others to hold your story in the way that you're calling them to share their story with you. So that's the work I saw it doing, and I just want to commend. I just want to commend it. I think it was it was beautiful. <laughs> mm, thank you. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, maybe as we close here, um, we've talked a bit about being rooted. Uh, the book is all about being rooted in love and being mm-hmm. rooted in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, if if there's a listener who's like their heart is stirred towards this as they listen, uh, and and maybe they want to they want to purchase your book, like what is what are one or two things that you you would recommend to a listener right now who even now as they're listening, things they can do to begin to get in touch with 
you know, the love that holds all things together, how can they begin to mm. avail themselves to that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, every chapter ends with one or more spiritual practice for that very reason, um, because it's through spiritual practices, um, through opening that kind of space mm. in our own lives. Um, that we can begin mm. to uh, encounter by Holy Spirit, I think, um, that mm. kind of space. And that and that space is where we find love, where we encounter love. So ancient practices like mm. Lectio Divina and imaginative prayer and the book mm. is sort of loaded with all of my best and most favorites. And the hope is not that uh, everybody does all of them and that becomes another to-do list for them, but that right. you find right. one or two new ones that really resonate with you and that you take mm. those then into your life. Um, I think maybe the simplest answer to your question is just mm. uh, start, try to take on most days, if you can, five minutes to sit and be still. And yes. that will, that in and it of itself will begin to open yeah. up this space. Um, yes. And open up, good. open up that space to encounter love because I fully believe, you know, we've all been in church long enough to have heard a gazillion times how much God loves us, but we're meant to live with mm -hmm. a deep experience, a deep experiential knowing of that love. And more than anything else, that yeah, opens up for us yeah. in stillness. So my number one encouragement for people is just begin five minutes a day. Sit and be still uh, in, in the presence of Christ. And some amazing things will begin to open up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Susan, that's, um, I take, I receive that. I'm going to yeah. be still and silent after this uh, interview. Um, mm. I'm going to go on a walk though. Does that count if I go on a walk? It totally walks. Some people walking? are movers. Okay. Yes. Walking is good. I'm a mover. I'm a mover. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll just end with this. I, I think that, um, the thing that I was left with as I read this was that like the, we often think we have to do one of two things to get, to get it. And mm -hmm. one is like, I, if I can just conceive of this love, if I can just cogitate mm -hmm. on the word love hard enough or memorize a definition <laughs> or memorize enough scripture, then it'll like unlock this, you know, yeah. mysterious room that's always been close to me. That's the first thing. Like we want to conceive it harder. And the other is like achieve it. Like if I, you know, if I can obey better or be more moral or do more good things or give more money away or buy Susan's book and give it away to 40 people, then like I'll, be, <laughs> I'll experience this, you know, this uh, Christian nirvana. But uh, your book is this uh, uh, steady, beautiful drum that the way into love is consent. And so uh, I, I read, I read this as like, um, like a travel log. It's like a... It's like a field manual, um, and these disciplines at the end of each chapter are ways that you re reduce your resistance mm. to what is already true, and mm. it avails you to it, and in sort of a step-by-step -step kind of just um, layer after layer. And so, um, that's how I received this book. Um, that's why we wanted to have you on. I think it's a beautiful testimony mm. to what God's done in your life. 
and it it can be um, a, a a great help to those who are seeking to live more fully in love. So thank you, Susan. Oh, thank, you. Yeah, thank you. Wow, those are beautiful words. Thank you so much. Um, if people want to connect with you and your network, um, where can they find you online? Um, you can find me at susancarson.net. Um, you could find Roots and Branches at rootsandbranchesnetwork.com. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, all the places. So I'd love to connect with people <laughs> there. Uh, I also have a podcast. Um, if I could just oh. mention that quickly, it's called Rooted Intentionally. Yeah. And they're like 10 minutes or so of spiritual practices. So they're a great compliment uh, with the book. Um, so I just lead people through uh. a spiritual practice or a prayer or something. So you can I find those that. on my website. I, often, yeah. I love That's that. Awesome. We do a we do a little uh, Lectio Divina podcast with our kids at night. Oh, um, cool. and I've I, I do it with them. It's called We Wonder. Um we and I do it with them, but I often am like left thinking, gosh, I wish there was something like this for adults. Um, you know, we need we need mothers and fathers who can lead these disciplines for us. Because sometimes, you know, you're, it's like giving a kid a fire hose. We don't know what we're doing when, with these disciplines. And so, uh, okay, that's called Rooted Intentionally, huh? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll look it up. Great. Uh, Susan, awesome. thanks for being with us today. God bless you. Mm, bless you guys. Thank you so much for the work that you do. I'm a fan and a part of your community, and I'm really grateful for you guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 